You better ask somebody. Another episode of Kicking It With Young Smooth, the podcast where I rant and rave about, you know, whatever the hell I really want to, but talk about a little pop culture and go over some of my favorite CDs. And by the title of this particular one, y'all already know it's popping. So don't forget, you can check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is YouTube Music, Google Podcasts. Spotify and the YouTube music. Don't forget for my Apple users, use your purple podcast player as well. Make sure you download, like, and subscribe. And on the YouTube channel, make sure that you like, click that notification bell, and subscribe. So last week, um, I had my man Wish Granted on there. We had an amazing fun time, a great interview. So make sure y'all go and check that out on the YouTube page that was the best time and i was so grateful that he did it and he is hilarious and love that brother down he is awesome and amazing um and what else was i gonna say something else i was gonna say about that uh oh my next interview will be coming real soon i'm only take i i, I know i started only to take a week off only just because the wife birthday falls on that friday so i want to make sure <clears throat> 
that I get back into it. And I think my next one is planned for the, the following Saturday. So definitely let's get into that. I think this is going to be dope. Cannot wait for y'all to continue to see the series. Got a couple of great guests that are coming. So every, pretty much every Friday, I think that's what we're going to be doing. All right. So did y'all get that last week's kick that lyric? A couple of y'all actually did and um, was very impressed because people, some people had to think about it. But last week's kick that lyric was Spaceships by Kanye West. Yeah, I can't talk today. I've been working a grave shift and I ain't made shit. I wish I could just fly. Yes, that was my shit. All off key. Y'all know that. Don't judge me. You know me. Anyway, this week's Kick That Lyric is one of my favorites. Let's just say that this video was in black and white. Um, actually, I just recently learned, and I did not know, this actual video was shot by Hype, Hype Williams, uh, number one. Number two, it has three of the dopest female MCs at the time, and in addition, it is a remix. Um, it was in heavy rotation on the box. Don't forget the box. Don't act like y'all don't know about the box. So, Let's begin. Hey, yeah, I get exotic with the melodic tune. I get hypnotic with the moon, but you got to put me down soon. I flip a sideshow if you come my way up, down, and around, even sideways. I'm about as ready as the light can get. We can go all out. I ain't afraid of the sweat, but yet. I bet you got the techniques to freak a girl out. I'm sorry, to freak a girl inside out. What's that all about? Can I have some of that? You gotta put me on. Word around town is you nine men strong. I wanna be put on in the worst way. Since the first day, I think it was a Thursday. You be that brother that I want to sink my teeth in. Make me want to ask, where the hell you been? I like the way you be with all that personality. But I got flavor too. You need to get with me. All right, y'all. So that is the kick that lyric of this week. So drop down in all of my social medias. You know it's... K-I-W Young Smooth on Twitter. It's kicking it with Young Smooth Pod on Instagram. Hit me in the DMs. Y'all know y'all see that Facebook page. Make sure y'all let me know what that kick that lyric is. Alright, so moving right along. Um, what there was something okay. Oh, first off, we are in March. Yay, yay us. We made it. We still made it in this whole pandemic. In this whole pandemic. Don't nobody know why. We still going crazy in this pandemic. Had to do my pandemic dance because I'm tired. I'm just tired of it. Um, But March 1st is... I'm recording this as of March 2nd. So yesterday... Uh, the Notorious B.I.G. I Got a Story to Tell um, documentary came out. I like it. It was good. I like the fact that it didn't focus so much on... Um, it really didn't focus so much on just uh, 
like the murder and so much and and all of those good things and you know even w- they talked about a little bit about um you know his beef with Pac or whatever but I mean of course all well documented and known but they talked to a lot of people that, that knew him they talked to D-Rod they talked to Mr. C you know they talked to Big Mo they talked to so many influential people in Biggie's life they talked about the breakdown of his 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 music so they really more so focused it a lot on the music I, I mean I I think that at this point um we good like I love Big. I'm a huge, I'm a huge notorious VIG fan. However, I think we're good at this point. Like, we're not gonna ever learn any new information. I mean, not unless there's more footage that's out there, because a lot of footage, a lot of the footage that was in there was definitely footage that we've seen. Like, it wasn't anything that we didn't see. Um, but I mean, there were some things. There were a couple things. Uh, we did get a chance to meet his grandmother um and his uncle. In there, that those are people that I think throughout this whole story have been very influential as well, and we've never really, you know, gotten a chance to kind of see their side of the story, how they felt. Um, but you know, the usual suspects were there. Diddy was there, Faith was there, C's was in there, you know. So it, it's pretty much the same. I think that we do need to kind of, I don't want to say move on because that's not. I don't think that's really the thing, but. Mm, I don't know if we have any more. It's been it's been almost thirty years. Like, do we have any more else to talk about this? I, really, honestly, I would love for it just to be solved. Nobody is officially saying anything because if anybody says anything, it leads back to somebody else. You know what I'm saying to you? So I don't think that we'll ever get a concrete answer on what happened but his legacy definitely lives on you know like last year he was inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame he the ready to die is like diamond now i think if i'm not mistaken it's like 30 over 30 million uh albums sold so it it is great the legacy is really good and that's an important thing too i was talking to one of my cousins about legacy and we were i've also talked to my little sister you know about legacy and it's important to distinguish what you want your legacy to be and how you want to go about it. You know what I mean? Um, I think people find their legacies through their children, of course, but everybody is not built for that. Everybody is not built to one, have children two, let alone have their legacy be uplifted by children because sometimes your children go into a different direction than what you thought or what you intended and will completely do something you know radical and different so you hope for the best for them you hope that they push forward and and all that good stuff but I, I don't think that we should always put that much stock in our children to be what we think that we want them to be because they're going to live their lives and they're going to live in a world and a time that is going to be foreign to us eventually and you're going to be like we didn't do this you know what i'm saying we i don't i don't know what this is so um like but legacy is very important and i also say that legacy is very important because as much as we like okay there's a lot of biggie stuff that still is coming out his legacy will still reign important because think about it tupac's legacy is not is not the best at all like it's a great story but it's never told right it's never um 
the people that loved him. It's always kind of hearsay, just like the All Eyes on Me biopic was. It was it was trash, and I was hoping for it to be good, but it was trash because it's from a perspective of people that didn't know him as intimately, and that's why you know the Notorious biopic was a little bit better because it was like yo we you felt like you knew him because it was the people that loved him told his story as well so your legacy is is a big part of what you want to leave i mean to get all all deep and sentimental in it but it was just something i was thinking about um in the meantime as well uh then we still got uh coming to america coming up on friday so that's gonna be on amazon prime i'm excited to see that but i am very disappointed that it got a pg-13 rating that is a little disheartening so we'll see how it pans out um i i'm scared to in a degree because um i feel like it's gonna be a whole lot of comedians this time and I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see on Friday, and I'll probably report that back for Tuesday. Anyway, into the wretched and ridiculousness. Well, and not necessarily all ridiculous. Let's stream the Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West, Kanye West mashup mixtape, Good Kid Twisted Fantasy. Let me tell you something. I've listened to this, and this is actually kind of dope. Um, I would love this to be... I think I probably will add this onto one of my playlists because it is nice. Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West collide on a futuristic new project. DJ Toasty Digital, a 26-year-old internet DJ and Yeezy superfan, has released his Good Kid Twisted Fantasy mixtape featuring a mashup of the two hip of of the hip hop's most beloved albums, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid Mad City and Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. The 11 tracks consist of songs and samples from the acclaimed projects starting with get much higher which uses the opening lyrics to backseat freestyle over the core with from dark fantasy um other highlights include mad world fussing kendrick's mad oh sorry fussing fusing (laughs) kendrick's mad city rap over the blame game instrumental they're two of my favorite albums ever, quotes Toasty Today. Um, input. Um, sorry. Totally reading everything wrong today. I, I think I had a gummy or something. Uh, <laughs> they're two of my favorite albums ever, Toasty Told Input. Both came out at a time when I was getting really into making my own music, so they definitely influenced how I thought an album should be put together. The project even comes with its own backstory set in the year 2050 when the world is ending and Kanye has been missing for 30 years. God damn. Kendrick travels into space with a mixtape serving as a soundtrack to his cryogenic sleep. I think it is like I've listened to it. It is dope. It is a great fusion. I didn't read that last part originally, but um, I was like, yo, that's that it, it is. It's, it's a thing. Those would not have been the albums that I could have ever thought to do a mashup to put together. But yeah, it's like lyrically, he'll take a different song. It goes into it. It melds well. I love when artists and DJs do that as well. Um, 
I have a DJ friend of mine that is, that you, if you guys listen to one of the the older shows, uh, Empire is supposed was supposed to be doing a whole situation between Biggie and Pac and doing a mashup like that as well. So I'm still waiting for him to finish that years and years and years later. But who knows? <laughs> we we will see. Um, moving on, Drake to release Certified Lover Boy by April. Drake's long-awaited album has been delayed several times, but a new report suggests that the project will arrive by April. It's kind of soon. While going live on Twitch, DJ Academics claimed that he spoke with Toronto with a Toronto rapper who told him the that uh, CLB is nearing completion. <clears throat> Quote: Drake told me that it's going to be dropping before April said academics quote so he's not waiting until the summer this shit april before it drops Mm. okay drake's sixth studio album was originally due last summer before being pushed to january 2021 according to academics drake is in no rush and will announce the album's release in advance he spent so much time on this project he's not trying to put out a surprise project he's going to, that was just thinking about that too like would he do a surprise project he's gonna let people know at least a week before Last month, Drake released that he planned to release the follow-up to 2018 Scorpion in January, but he was still recovering from his knee injury. <clears throat> I was planning to release my album this month, but between surgery and rehab, my energy has been dedicated to recovery. He wrote, I'm blessed to be back on my feet while great, while great and focused on the album, but CLB won't be dropping in January. In the meantime, Drake has been holding fans over with his collaborations with Draco, the ruler. Talk to me, uh, young blue, your mind still and Bryson Tiller out of time. Um, I'm excited for this. I am. I, I, I want, you know what I really want from this project? I kind of want old Drake. Here's the thing. This, I don't know how I'm going out. Y'all already know how I'm about to infuse this. This is so weird. Just because it's a young money thing, I'm just going to infuse that name one last time in this. What I'm thinking is this. I would love for Drake and Nikki to go back to 2000. I know this is wrong. I know this ain't going to happen. But I would love for them to go back to like 2000 and... 10, 11, 12, when shit was just popping and it was just bars for no reason. Because I think, honestly, I think that the, that people are tired. People are exhausted. They are exhausted from all of this foolishness. It's, it's weird. I was, who was I watching? It was somebody in the industry and they were talking about like the newer generation really listens to like 90 oh that's who it was it was red man i was watching red man on i want to say it was drink champs it might have been and like red man was talking about like you know where his sons fit in and his children and everybody fit into the you know the spectrum of hip-hop or whatever and he was like yo like even a lot of the older cats 
I'm sorry, the younger cats are really listening to 90s music and they loving the bars and, they, and, and it speaks to them in a certain kind of way because our era and generation of music just did. It just, it, it was, it was just like those that came before us in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. Like our 90s music spoke, to, speaks to you in a certain kind of way. There's a, a level of reality. There's a level of love. There's a level of angst. There's a level of hate. There's a level of all type of different things inside of that music that you kind of just don't get from these cookie cutter images of the exact same thing. I say all of that to say I would love for Nikki and Drake to really go back to their roots. I don't want you, I don't want her to go all, all the way back to itty bitty piggy. I think you definitely advance from there, but I want you to give me stuff like the pink print. I want something like Scorpion, you know what I'm saying to you. Uh, even though Scorpion was later, but I want some, you know what? I want something like Houston, Atlanta, Vegas, or, uh, thank me later. Like I, I would love those moments. Those were the great YMCMB moments. And when you, um, when we, when it was new, when it was new and when it was fresh. And I know that, you know, everything comes with a time, everything comes with a price, but I think like they still got it. They still could do this, but who knows? Moving on. Eminem celebrates 1 billion streams on Lose Yourself on Spotify. I know that's right. Yo, Lose Yourself is such a great workout motivational type song. Like it, it makes you. It's almost like dreams and nightmares, except dreams and nightmares will leave you exhausted if you get into dreams and nightmares like that. But it's like, Lose Yourself is one of those songs that you find yourself rooting for M in that kind of way. Like, you're like, you know, you you see the Eminem in your mind, if you've seen the movie, you see, your, you see Eminem in your mind from 8 Mile and you're like, yo, I can do this. I can push. I, you know, if I want my dreams to come true or anything to happen, I'm going to push. I'm going to make it happen. So I can see why people have streamed this continuously. Eminem is marking a major milestone. Back in October, the rapper, the rappers, the rappers, 8 Mile single, Lose Yourself, Hit number one, uh, uh, hit one billion streams on Spotify, becoming the first hip hop song from the 2000s to cross the threshold. On Wednesday, February 24th, Marshall Mathers celebrated his latest achievement in a video shared across the social media channels. Excuse me, he quotes, You can do anything you set your mind to, man. Lose Yourself is over one billion on at Spotify. M tweeted along with a video highlighting Lose Yourself other accomplishments. Lose Yourself was originally released in 2002 as part of the 8 Mile soundtrack. It became Eminem's first number one single on the Billboard Hot 100, winning two Grammys and a Oscar for Best Original Song in 2003. Last year, he delivered a surprise performance of the song at the Academy Awards. Lose Yourself is not M's first song to cross the 1 billion mark on Spotify. He previously hit the 1B streams with Till I Collapse from his 2002 album, The Eminem Show. Two other Eminem songs are also approaching 1 billion streams, according to the Detroit News. Without Me, of course, has 757 million streams on Spotify, 
followed by the Rihanna assisted Love the Way You Lie absolutely with 751 million streams. Oh my god, Love the Way You Lie. I'm I'm gonna circle back to that. Let's put a pin in that for no actually let's put a pin on that real quick and I'll finish out this. Um Love the Way You Lie. When I tell you the first thing that that reminds me of is me selling cars. I remember that played in every car and all of the Sirius XM. And like when I would have to like transport a car from like maybe from like Baltimore to Virginia or like do a dealer exchange. I used to love to listen to that song. And that was that was one of my favorites. Uh, additionally, his Rap God music video surpassed 1 billion views on YouTube last year. This third video, this is his third video to join the Billion Views Club following Not Afraid and Love the Way You Lie. So, yeah, Emma's been in the business for, I mean, of course, Emma's been in the business for quite a while. Um, I don't think, I think it's weird. I think we all thought that he possibly wouldn't make it. This would be a fad. This would be a gimmick. Why is this a white boy doing this? But you cannot deny that Eminem's contributions to music. I will say this. The songs that were listed in that article, yes, definitely. it would. They were songs that I grew up with. It was in my teenage years. Loved, 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 loved them. My teenage, early 20 years, loved them. However, I was not a huge fan in the beginning. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Is this dude out here talking about slitting his mother's throat? Like, it just, it, it didn't speak to me. But it was so crazy. His demographic spoke to everybody. There are a lot of people. And I'm not saying the slit your mother throat part is the reason why. But I'm just saying, in general, I remember sitting back when I wasn't into it and really watching people that was like, yo, this shit hot. This dude hot. It's, he, he got a cosign. He got that West Coast cosign. He hot. He hot. He hot. And I'm like, y'all think this shit is hot? Like, yo, this shit is fucking morbid and, and disgusting. Like, I was like, yo, sometimes Eminem for me felt very Marilyn Manson-ish. It was just like, yo, I feel like my spirit ain't easy when I listen to M. I will say, um, now maybe not so much. Now I've kind of gotten used, I guess I've kind of gotten used to it. So I'm glad that, you know, he's here and he's a part of the hip-hop staple. So can't let a, a rap god go that easily. Um, Meek Mill apologizes to Vanessa Bryant for Kobe Bryant lyric here's the thing is it just me did not did we just have a fucking i don't did i cuss him out i don't think i cussed him out but didn't didn't just like all uh, the craziness just happened bro like didn't you just have craziness with uh with with taco head six nine over there like yo why or why why do you and trey songs stay in the news for some fuck shit that's all i'm saying like I haven't read the whole article all the way, but I, in my mind, I feel like this is going to be bad, but we're going to go ahead. Um, also, speaking of which, um, I, I didn't address this, and I, and I will too, and because I, I think this is massively important, and that you guys need to understand this as well. Vanessa Bryant is a human, and she is a human being, and she is a widow who has lost her husband and her daughter in a tragic accident. I don't know why... I was seeing this on all of the streams back there in January. But why for the life of me was y'all out here? Not y'all. Not not my peoples. Not my peoples that, watch, that listen to this show. But why the hell was y'all out there really 
giving this girl the blues because she told the NBA not to celebrate Kobe Bryant. And y'all was really in her mentions and her inboxes. Talking about Kobe was like a dad to me. You need to find other role models. That man will never know you, bro. Like, that will never happen. He never would have known you. And and shout out to the read because they made me think about that. And I was listening to it. But I don't understand why this world has gotten here. Like... How have we gotten this far in this emboldened that you think that you can just say something to somebody who has lost not only their husband, but their child too? You feel what I'm saying? Like, I think that is sick. I think y'all really need to rethink on how you address your love and fandom for somebody. Like, that's un- that is unhealthy as fuck. Speaking of unhealthy, let's go back into this. Meek Mill is making amends for his controversial lyric about Kobe Bryant. The rapper has apologized after Vanessa Bryant called him out for the disrespectful line where he references the fatal helicopter crash that killed her husband and daughter Gigi. See, this is the shit that I'll be talking about. And several others in January of 2020. Yeah, and I never ever lack... um, gonna i'm going i hate niggas that can't spell i'm going out with my chopper i ain't it yeah it'd be another kobe wait a minute I, i read all of that wrong i'm sorry yeah and if i ever lack i'm going out with my chopper to be another kobe meek raps on the leaked collaboration with little baby well there you go it was leaked leaked usually means y'all niggas put it out After the snippet surfaced, social media put Meek on blast, with some even calling for his cancellation. And that... That is another thing, too. Cancellation and cancel culture is a whole thing. Y'all niggas talk big shit about it, about, oh, this person canceled, that person canceled, and the next thing you know, you're still supporting it. So, I don't want to hear. On Monday, February 22nd, the NBA star's widow took to Instagram to address the insensitive and disrespectful lyric, Dear at Meek Mill, I find this line to be extremely insensitive and disrespectful, period. I love that. I know that's right, Vanessa. Shit, get to the point. Like, look, fuck that. I ain't gonna cuss you out. It's disrespectful. Take the lyric out or, you, you know what I'm saying? Suffer the repercussions. Um, so that's what she wrote. Um, I am not familiar with any of your music, but I believe you can do better than this. If you are a fan, fine. There's a better way to show your admiration for my husband. This lacks respect and tact. Ah. Oh! Words that I don't think Meek is familiar with. Meek later announced that he had apologized to Brian in private. I apologized to her in private earlier today, not to the public, he tweeted. Nothing I say on my page directed to a internet viral moment or a family of a grieving woman. If you care about someone grieving, change the subject. Um... Real quick, sir. Um, here's the thing. I, I I understand that you gave this apology in private 
commendable. But technically, because you did the wrong in public, you should have publicly apologized as well. Because part of this, and, and this is just my opinion, but part of this at the end of it is like, yeah, I apologize to her so y'all can suck my dick. Like, sir, that's not really, one, that's not an apology. I don't, and, and two, you should have. I feel, I feel very much so. And, and I and I want to try to practice what I'm pre- preaching is. If someone does something to you and it is a public humiliation and then they turn around and they need to apologize, they also need to apologize to you in what public? If they do some shit and it's in providence between y'all, yes, absolutely. But if it is something that is a humiliation that is in public, they should publicly apologize. Shit between you and that person, that's one thing. But yo, you leak the whole song disrespectfully said yo here's the thing shout out to crystal from from the re i'm going to use this because it makes sense words mean things you literally talked about and i quote yeah and if i ever lack I'm going to get my chopper out. It'd be another Kobe. I don't even know. First of all, that, that don't even rhyme. I don't even, I don't even know what that means. But you clearly put those things, to, you wrote them. You put them in your, on your phone. You wrote them with a pen. You maliciously wrote this shit. And they, oh, it was supposed to be leaked. But here's the thing. How was that showing love for a motherfucker? But you want to talk about their death. If you love a person, you love the person and the person that they with. You know what I'm saying? If you claim that you got that much love for Kobe, first of all, the line in itself is just is there for no reason. But you put a chopper and Kobe Bryant, minus the fact that's the way he died and his daughter. And you think that the people that are here on earth ain't going ain't going to feel a certain kind of way. Now, granted, your intents were it was leaked. It was leaked. Everything's always leaked. But you wrote it. That's not even that's not even up for debate. You wrote it again. Thumbs to text, pen to paper. You wrote this shit. Stop being fuck niggas. I don't understand. Like yo, that shit fucking bothers my these. Oh god, these people are so stupid. Um, but moving on to something brighter. That girl Lele teams up with Young Dolph in Breezy video. That girl Lele has taken the world by storm with her viral rhymes that have earned millions of views across the social channels and famous fans, including Northwest, Ellen DeGeneres, and Dapper Dan. Now the 14-year-old rap sensation born Alea High is readying her new solo album, Little Big Dripper, for release this spring. The Houston native, who began writing, produ- producing, and rapping at the age of five, five, Jesus Christ, teams up with Young Dolph on her new single, Breezy, um, preparing, sorry, premiering exclusively on Wrap Up. In the video, Lele shows out with a fiery flow and designer drip while Dolph adds a G-rated verse. The Breezy video shot, um, shoot was one of my favorite moments this year. I finally met Dolph, 
who gave me the dopest feature and made the video so fire, Lele Tells Wrap Up. I couldn't have asked for a better day of bonding and learning so much more about this business. I'm super grateful for his energy. In addition to Dolph, Big Little Dripper is set to feature appearances from Houston legend Bun B, as well as Lele's longtime collaborators, Little Blurry, Little Trio, King Harris, and Zaza. At age 11, Lele made history as the youngest female rapper to sign a deal via her own Fresh Rebel Music Empire imprint where she released her 2018 debut, The Cheat Code. The building mogul also has an overall production deal with Nickelodeon, which includes two full-length feature films and an original TV series. The girl is working. Why are y'all on y'all asses? Okay. She, she, yeah, she gonna be, she gonna be something. I, I, I don't even hate to say it. I, I love to see things like this. Like I've seen and watched this girl. I watched her bit. She's been on a complete grind from just freestyling in the car with her dad from that's what I originally know her from to you know about to have signed deals with Nickelodeon your own labels and stuff like that those are the type of girls to look out for those are the type of girls to make sure that y'all watching because on some realness I think that um the tide needs to turn me and my cousin was also talking about this the tide needs to turn for females in in music because what is very much so happening is this um, excuse me real quick. What very much so happened, I feel like I have to sneeze and that's going to be horrible. Anyway, excuse me. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. Anyway, um, the, the tide needs to turn because, all right. So when you have our 90 situation, you feel what I'm saying to you and you have like the little Kims, the Foxy Browns, the Eves, the Trinas, <clears throat> Missy, um, oh, I say Eve Trina, Missy, uh, Rod Digger, Lauren Hill, and so on and so forth. You had different facets of women that you were able to take from. And that was, and the same thing went for the men, cause you had like Busta Rhymes, Tribe Called Quest, Q-Tip, Nas, B, uh, Big J. Like, there were different elements from each, hell, LL Cool J was still um, amazingly hot. I just listened to some old shit the other day and I was like, damn, I forgot L had so many, Bars, how can I forget that the goat got bars? Um, but you had so many different type of flavors and everybody was playing with music and the different bars and cadence and flows and all of this stuff. This is not happening anymore. It is all the same. Now there are some that that are, are having some standouts. Like I like the girl Flo Millie. Um, I love the the love the good cosign from Missy for Bree Runway. I like her. Um, was it Bree? Yeah, it's Bree Runway. Um, I like her thus far. Um, I like Malibu Mitch. Um, in the female game, I like Cash Doll. Even though there are too many dolls, um, there's too many dolls in the dollhouse. Like that's just that is literally a thing. Um. And is there anybody else? That, oh, and I like Rhapsody. Uh, I do like Rhapsody. And here's the thing. I like Rhapsody and I think y'all be 
sleeping on Rhapsody. And um, I like Mulatto um, very much so. Yeah, I like Mulatto. I think that, I, I think that's pretty much, I mean, I, again, there are some other ones that I've kind of been listening to. Oh, you know who I like? And this is the, this is some weird shit. And if y'all listen to it, you'll understand. I like Cupcake too. Cupcake is very underground. And originally her lyrics have been very, very raunchy, very nasty. And she, she still want to look out for. Her. And I think that if people took more time for Cupcake, um, You'll get it. I think that maybe her appeal is not quite what everybody's used to, but I love the fact that when she spits, like I've listened to some of her stuff, when she spits, she spits them bars. So there's no, there's no denying it. Um, but yeah, what I was saying was we have had all of those girls back in the day and, and it was a different variety of girl. You feel what I'm saying? Like it was a different variety. Everybody now is a cookie cutter shape. They're, they're a cookie cutter shape to Little Kim. Shout out to Twitter because in black Twitter, they definitely had a Little Kim celebration day the other day too. But, um, it is a, is doing a disservice when we don't have a variety. It, it is going to make the game be different. And I think that Little Lele is, she going to come up. She is going to come up. And I feel like if she keeps going on the right track, she keep focusing, keep listening, keep learning, keep incorporating all type of music in her art, she could be the next Missy. Because Missy, people fail to realize, Missy did something that most, most of the time, most female rappers can't do. She literally has the gold mine ink and started off that way. So she was making her own beats. She was um, not only making her own beats, she was writing her own songs. She was writing for other people. I think Lele will eventually make that type of mogul switch. If she if she needs to have anybody on her back, something different about Virginia, but Missy Elliott is, is definitely that one. Alright, moving on. It's my favorite part of the show. My favorite part of the show. My favorite, 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 favorite part of the show. Yes, it is time for the album. Yes, I have it in the book. I keep saying I have it in the book, but y'all ain't heard me flap a goddamn page in God knows how long. Anyway, um, favorite album. You know, whenever you, you, you hear it, it should make you happy. It should make you sad. It should make you fall in love. It should remind you about why you happy. I am talking about the Vocal Bible's very first album, Brandy. Come on now. Brandy, 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 Brandy. Brandy is the self title debut album of American R&B singer Brandy Norwood. It was released by Atlantic Records on September 27, 1994 in North America, December 5th in the United Kingdom, and on several dates in Europe and Oceanica. Oceanica, yeah. Starting on February 3rd, 2000, I'm sorry, 2000. <laughs> 2000 nothing <laughs> starting on february 3rd 1995 the album contains a range of contemporary genres and the songs 
are a mix of soft hip-hop, soul, pop, and contemporary mid-90s R&B. They are chiefly... Sorry, I'm my bad. I thought... Okay, I was tripping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I heard something. I was like, what is going on? I did. It was it was my neighbors. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and I'm leaving that in too. They are chiefly produced by Keith Crouch, who would collaborate. I'm sorry, who would contribute all four song releases from the album aside from Crouch, nor would work with a range of other writers and producers, including the group Something for the People. Um Avril McClinton and Damian Thomas. Upon release, Brandy received generally positive reviews from music critics who complimented Norwood's appearance as well as the album's timeless appeal. It became a commercial success as well. While it, uh, oh, you know what else I gotta do when I do these? I gotta do Monica. I just thought about that. While initial sales were slow, the album reached the top 20 of the U.S. Billboard 200 and was certified four times platinum by the R, the R, the RIAA of America. Again, today I need to drink some water and I left my water bottle where I'm upstairs and I'm upset. Um, <laughs> selling over 2 million copies in the United States. It experienced similar success in the United Kingdom and Canada, where it was certified silver and gold, respectively. Worldwide, the album has sold over 6 million copies. Four singles were released from the album, two of which became number one hits on the Billboard Hot R&B singles. I Want to Be Down was chosen to be the album's lead single, reaching the top 10 in the United States and the top 20 in Australia and New Zealand and the top 40 in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, y'all. When y'all hear that, when you hear that, I would like to get to know if I could be the kind of that you could be down for Cause when I look at you I feel something Tell me Then you're the kind of And I should make a move on oh. Yes! When you hear that you know You know You know Yeah I had to H-U you right here Uh the song was certified <laughs> I'm um, sorry. The song was critically uh, looted and regarded as a standout track on Brandy. The album's second single, Baby. Baby, 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 baby. Think about you all the time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad. I had to give y'all that. <laughs> Baby was also <laughs> received and charted even higher with the following two singles, Best Friends. I'll be there for you when you're going through. And it you me. I forgot the words, but yes. <laughs> I actually, um, damn, that's funny. I think Best Friend is one of my ringtones for one of my best friends. That is hilarious. And Broken Hearted. I know I'm young, but like Cena. To know that you don't fall in love overnight. Yes. 
I am not the vocal Bible, but that was my shit. Also reaching the top 10 in the U.S., Norwood established herself as one of the most successful of the new breed of urban female vocalists to merge during the late 90s. It also garnered uh, Norwood two Grammy Award nominations for Best New Artist and one for the album's second single, Baby, for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance at the 38th Grammy Awards in 1996. Already a Grammy Award. And you were only like 16, 17, 16, 16. Yeah, roughly about 16. Because I was about, so Brandy, I'm 38, no, I'm 37, damn, why am I over age? I'm 37, so Brandy is about four, yeah, so I was about like 12, yeah, because Brandy is about like four, five years old, five years older than me, because I think she's 41 now, so, um, but yes, Baby, Best Friend, Broken Hearted, some of the most amazing songs on there. Love them. We'll listen to them to this day. And I want to be down. Of course, I want to be down. I'll listen to you. But you know, I if you know me, you know me. You know me. Huh. Got to listen to it. I want to be down remix. Great song. All right, a little background. In the 1990s, Norwood's talent led to a budding oral contract with Teaspoon Production headed by Chris Stokes. Uh, mm, mm, mm. You know what? I don't even, I don't even, I'm actually kind of pissed that that name even came up in here. Uh, that's, that's how that's mess. And Earl, <laughs> let me, all right, let me tell y'all why I'm mad about that real quick. I'm sorry. I, I know this is rearing off. This is completely not Brandy related, but I will bring it back. I was, Here's what I have a problem with. I'm going to make this quick. Judge me if you want to. It is what it is. Um, the Chris Stokes Raz B situation, and I believe this is the same Chris Stokes that they are talking about. Um, the Chris Stokes and Raz B situation, I state what I state again. A victim is a victim until a victim is not. Um, because we... This is a topic for another day, but... I believed him. I always believed him. Believed him. I always thought that it was it was something weird. I don't. Um, I, I'll get into this. Maybe I'll get into this separately on something else. But um, I will say this: like a trauma is a trauma, and everybody can have one, and it's not just a small feminine thing. And I think I will talk about that on maybe something else, and probably on YouTube. Anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, so it was headed by Chris Stokes and Early Harris who obtained her gigs as a backing vocalist for their R&B boy band Immature. Hmm. It was the Chris Stokes I was talking about. Uh, the same year Stokes arranged the production of her demo tape, which was headed over to Atlantic Records Corporation ex- executives. While they liked the material, they found Norwood too young at age 11 and told her to come back when she was 14 in 1993 amid ongoing uh, negotiations with East West Records. Norwood's parents organized a recording contract with Atlantic after auditioning for the company's director of A&R, 
Daryl Williams. Norwood subsequently dropped out of Hollywood High School later and was tutored privately for 10th grade on. During the early production stages of her debut on Atlantic label, on the Atlantic label, Norwood was selected for a role in the NBA sitcom Thea, portraying the 15-year-old daughter of a single mother played by Thea Vidal. A broadcast to media, media, mediocre rates, the series ended one season consisting of 19 episodes. Norwood approached the cancellation of the show as she was unenthusiastic about acting at the time and the taping caused scheduling conflicts with the recording of her album starting. I felt bad for everybody else but me. It was a good thing because I could do what I had to do because I wanted to sing. When Thea was canceled, I was like, okay, I can now put all my focus onto my album. I believe that um I didn't know I did not know that Thea was not that long for those of you younger who don't remember it it was it, it's it was a short-lived show. I just remember it because when Brandy's album came out, we was like, oh, damn, that's the girl from, that's the girl that sings on the radio. Like, we got a chance to see us. And I think one of the mass appeals about Brandy in general is the fact that we grew up with Brandy. Like, we were 12, 13, 14, you know what I'm saying? In that same teeny bot range and being like, oh, wow, this is a black girl or a black kid, like black girls definitely looked up to her and was like, oh, this is a black kid that we can, you know, we can look up to. Not to mention the fact like later on, well, eventually, uh, eventually one of the articles that I, when I do another one of um, Brandy's album, they'll talk about like, you know, her having her, her own doll and so on and so forth. And that's a big deal when you're talking about a little black girl, um, when that, at that time, I think a teenager where you have like the Moesha doll. Like, that's, cr the, well, I'm sorry, not the Moesha doll. It was the Brandy doll. But, of course, you always kind of put that together with Moesha and, you know, how influential that was. Now, fast forward to 2020, 2021, Moesha is probably not as great as it seemed. But, you know, there's that. Um, Recording and conception. Atlantic consulted relatively un- uh, consulted relatively unknown then 20-year-old writer-producer Kenneth Crouch, Crouch's nephew of the gospel singer Andre Crouch, to work with Norwood on the bulk of the throwback funk soul production of the album. Norwood noted that her collaboration with Crouch was very important to me as a young artist. At the time, he was not trying to be like anyone else on the radio. He was all about his own sound. She com uh, commented in 2012 and added, but what I really loved about Keith is he gave me real music. He didn't give me teeny bopper records. It was age appropriate, youthful records, but it was still real music. <clears throat> we had a great connection. Crouch would go on to work on 50% of Brandy's. Oh yeah. 50% of Brandy, um, setting much of the tone of the album with four from 
with four from his five tracks becoming singles upon its release. While recording her vocals with him, Norwood was impressed by several singers, citing Whitney Houston and gospel group the Clark Sisters a major inspiration, particularly on Moving On. Ooh, that is a good song too. If you ever listen to that vocal arrangement on Moving On, Moving On is really good. However, the teenager struggled to identify with some of the of Crouch's material at first, especially on Baby, whose lyrics made her afraid to not uh, to not being old enough to produce. Um. So what? Okay. So I'm sorry. They what they said was for her not to be old enough, and the producer had to convince her to record. So, in the basis, let's see. Um, so, like, the critical reception for the album. In his review on All Music, Eddie Huffin wrote that the teenager, Brandy, the teenage R&B singer hit the top 10 late in 1994 with I Want to Be Down. The representative track from her solo solid debut album, Brandy knows her way around a hip hop beat, layering tender, tough vocals over spare arrangements like a lower key Janet Jackson on a more stripped down Mary J. Blige. That is a good situation. Like, a more stripped down. I wouldn't even say stripped down Mary. Well, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't use the stripped down Mary J. Blige. Like, Mary can sing, but I don't think that Mary's appeal is from that. I think Mary is like the it girl. She just has the it factor. Um, Good songs and crisp productions make Brandy a moody, moving success. 2007 vibrated Brandy among the 150 most essential albums since its launch. The magazine found that Brandy's debut is slow, deliberate, and um, naive, not to lack its, not lack of accomplishments, but because the best moments here sound as wide-eyed and new as a first date. Agree. I can agree with that. Um, People compared the effort with Aaliyah's debut album, AJ Nothing But a Number, which was released four months prior writing, while everything about Aaliyah seemed here and now, Brandy's well-groomed blend of gentle lit hip-hop and pop soul was a more timeless appeal, with the uh poise and sassy confidence of a diva twice her age brandy makes her love songs with tributes to her little brother um so i will say this speaking of which uh at the time we definitely had that uh the younger singers we had aliyah i'm sorry we had alia um we had brandy and we had monica like that was that was the nineties holy trinity. When we talk about like Beyonce, Nikki, and Rihanna, like Brandy, Aaliyah, and Monica were that whole trend. I did not mean to make that rhyme. I know that rhymed in in in, a, in the initial, but I didn't mean to make that rhyme. 
But however, yeah, like they were definitely that our holy trinity of, you know, of like those, those singers. Aaliyah was definitely street, but sweet. Um, Monica was that Miss Thing had the edge and Brandy was very, very polished. And, um, it was a different time. It definitely was. So going over the track listing, let's start moving on, which is the introduction zone. Like literally when you listen to moving on, you, you do get a real gospel root from it. Um, and what some people don't know is that her dad actually sings, um, some of the background vocals sometimes. I, I don't know how many albums he's done it on, but I know he has done it quite frequently for her and some of the gospel songs. It was another song that he did that is popular. He actually sings the backgrounds on too. I want to say it like he fills out the the background harmonies and I think it was in Broken Hearted. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but um, I do remember uh, her saying something like that. Track number two is Baby. Now you get a little bit more upbeat, um, best friend, and then you get the I want to be down. Um, then you get I decided part one, then you get broken hearted. I decided, I decided is actually, I think a, a interlude, but it leads into broken hearted. I'm yours. Sunny day. Sunny day was my shit. Was a sunny day without you. It's just another 24 that passes by. I can't hit these notes right now. My mouth is dry. Um, I've been talking for a little bit over an hour. Uh, <laughs> as long as you're here, always on my mind, which um, I think that I feel like. Now I can't hear that song like that. I can't hear that. I think I hear you're always on my um you're always on my mind by immature. I need to remember I gotta hear that song again. Um I decided love is on my side, give me give me you. And again, see song titles and some of the other songs and albums that I like. And then I decided part three, which were were all the interludes. So and then you can find the I Wanna Be Down remix separately by itself and plus on some brandy stuff. So um Brandy's album, my personal opinion about the album. The album was one of my starts and my love. Like I was super young and was one of my starts in R&B. Because I remember we had Whitney and that was what it was. It felt so dis disjointed. Like we had Whitney Houston and yes, Whitney is is a moment in time that we can never get back. But I felt like Whitney was definitely that 80s kind of situation you know what i'm saying and then brandy just for me elevated the 90s even though whitney still was out in the 90s you know what i'm saying earlier part of the 90s um but it was definitely one of those moments where i was like yo we got somebody that is like for us like yeah she she got that groove you know what i'm saying like yeah she's that girl i think also, we put a lot of pressure on Brandy. Brandy had an eating disorder that, that she will speak about. Um, you know, she's still very introverted in, cer in certain ways, even though she has to be extroverted in her music. Um, but yeah, so we did we did put a lot of expectations on Brandy that was that were big. Um, but for me, this album reminds me of a time when. It was a lot of great summers. I definitely had a lot of great summers. I had a lot of great summers in my dad's house. 
you know, my stepmom, like all of us being there together. Um, all of my cousins, once they, you know, came to live with my, my stepmother and my dad, like to have all of us in there in those moments was, it was great. Looking back at it, I'm like, yo, we had such an amazing time. And I just remember Brandy being one of the tracks that we played. We played this out and we, and here's the thing. We, when we got an album, we played an album. And I remember playing this. I used to play this all the time at my, at my dad and my stepmother's house. And I would be in the basement with my cousins. Oh, I'd be in the basement by myself. And I literally would play this album. And it just, it made me feel good. It was very up. It was, you know, very down. It was, um, it was all, it was all of the things in one. So I was super, super impressed. Um, to to have this in my life and I'm glad that I still have this album to this day. Like I don't know what I'm going to do with a CD, but uh I'm going to keep them. Um but yeah, so I think that this was definitely one of my favorites. It just every time I hear it now, that I think about it, it just takes me back to that moment or those moments in the 90s. So I absolutely 100% love this album. Like I do with all of the albums, I have a great rating and rapport with them. I love them. I love them. Absolutely. Um, And they're all my babies. Like all of these albums that I ever bring out or talk about mean something to me. So just want to go ahead and wrap on up this show. Don't forget if you have not checked out the new interview with Wish Granite. You can check it out at Kicking It With Young Smooth Podcast on YouTube. Made it very easy for y'all because that is very important. So, let's go into the utmost of the utmost. Fear. Um, false real appearing. Uh, false real. False evidence appearing. What? Am, what? Yes, false evidence appearing real. I don't know what the hell just happened to my mind. <laughs> yeah, why did that stop? I don't know. Anyway, it's only real in your mind if you make it real in your mind. Mm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what I was going to say for that. Um, uh, I think I I don't know what else I was gonna say. I think the gummy has kicked in. Don't judge me. <laughs> I feel y'all out there judging me. I forgot what I was gonna say. I'm gonna keep all this in because I know somebody's gonna be like, "This is the dumbest shit ever." I, I did. I literally just had a moment. I think the gummy kicked in. Um, fear, false evidence appearing real. I feel happier about it now. I don't know why my mind went to thirty different places and y'all. There literally was a pause, and so now I'm a drug addict. That's some bullshit. Okay. <laughs> it's time to go. It is time to go. It is officially <laughs> It's officially time to go. Fear false evidence appearing real. It's only real in your mind if you make it really about it. The real shit is I'm probably a fucking drug addict because I keep <laughs> Note to self, if you ever listen back to this this far, you do not need to take gummies no more. That's ridiculous. Um, it's so bad. This is so bad. So, <laughs> don't forget that you can find me on, this is bad. 
don't forget that you can find me on all of your social medias. And in addition, you can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is, yeah, Google Music, which is now YouTube Music, um, Spotify. And don't forget for all my Apple users, the Purple Podcast Player is where you get all of your podcast, all of your podcasts as well. I will never take a gummy and do a show again. That's what I will not do. Absolutely not. But you just kicked it with Young Smooth. Now, don't you feel better about it? I hope I do because this shit right here got me fucked up. I cannot. What am I doing with my life? All right, y'all. I will see y'all next week. Okay, okay, okay.